0: You're listening to Your Financial Planner Now What, the podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients.
1: It's kind of funny how that works, isn't it? FPA is about financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients.
0: Right, I agree. And that's why today's episode is on the merger that created FPA, as we're continuing our series on the history of financial planning. So we brought together seven financial planning giants to share their stories on this pivotal moment in financial planning history. I think it's important to note that this is much more than just about the FPA. So as you listen to this episode, you'll hear the deep commitment everyone has to the profession and why the creation of one professional membership organization was such a monumental moment in our profession's history.
1: Okay, let's set the stage. It's 1998, 1999, and the world looks different. This is before 9-11, Facebook and Gmail, so Bill Clinton is president, George Bush, the governor of Texas, Obama is a state senator, and Trump hasn't become a reality TV star yet.
0: So at this point, there are two groups that represent financial planning, the IAFP and the ICFP. And a merger between these two groups had already been tried four times in the past. So as you listen, you'll hear voices from both groups and learn what they brought to the merger. They'll discover how the two sides agreed, disagreed, and came together to form the FPA.
1: So up next, you'll hear everyone introduce themselves and their roles in the merger. Let's jump right in.
2: Elisa Bowie, and I was the president of the ICFP in
3: 1999. I'm Scott Cahan, and I was a board member uh, of the ICFP in 1998, and then transitioned into the new FPA board for 2000, 2001.
4: I'm David Brand. <laughs> Hi, David. This I'm David Brand. I was the executive director of the ICFP in 1998 and 1999, and then co-executive director of FPA after it formed in 2000.
5: I'm Dave Yeski, and I was on the ICFP board in 97, 98, 99, and on the FPA board 2000. Through 2004, serving as president in 2003.
6: And I'm Joe Votava, and I was the president of the IAFP in 1999 and then served as co-chair of the FPA with Elisa Bowie.
7: And I'm Guy Cumbie, and I was uh, president-elect of the ICFP in 1999 and uh, president-elect again of the FPA (laughs) uh, in 2000 and then president of uh, FPA in 2001. I'm Roy DeLiberto, I was uh,
8: vice president of the IAFP in uh, 98, president-elect in 99, Uh, was on the project team with uh, four other people from uh, IAFP and five people from ICFP, Uh, became president of uh, FPA in 2000.
0: So to talk about the landscape of financial planning, I think it'd be helpful to talk about what were the differences in the group. So first of all, I'll start with you, Joe. What was the IAFP and what was that? What did that organization stand for?
6: Yeah, well, the IAFP was kind of, I would say, the broadest group of financial planners that were out there. So the IAFP had the uh, umbrella sort of uh, invited corporate people that wanted to Uh, work in the field of financial planning and to bring products and services there. Broker dealers who were also large uh, financial planning type firms who wanted to be part of the financial planning scene. And then all kinds of individuals, certainly CFPs but also CHFCs. We had uh, CPAs and even the occasional lawyer uh, would find their way into the IAFP because they were just learning about financial planning for the first time. And while there was a core group of people that were what you might say real financial planners, there were all these other kinds of people around the edges of it, including international uh, members. So we had quite a large international membership that was in the name, the International Association of Financial Planning. That name alone, once the Internet started, drew many, many members to the association that we didn't even think about, but they just showed up at our meetings, and they really added a lot of color and Robustness to what was going on around the world in the field of financial planning.
0: And how big was the IAFP?
6: The IAFP, I think at that time, Roy, maybe you have a little better rec- recollection than I, but I think we were at about 24,000, something like that, uh, in terms of membership. Um, I know that
8: the, the total membership of both organizations was probably in the low 30s when we merged. Now, some of those people were dual members. Many right. of us were dual right. members. Yeah. Um so how many did the ICFP have do you remember
4: yeah, I see it was actually it netted out to be about 27 to 28,000 after net, the dual dual after number, after, after, taking, yeah. away the yeah, after yeah. taking away the duplications Yeah after taking away the duplications the ICFP 12 was about 12,000 12 Yeah, yeah.
8: yeah. yeah we were probably about uh, 20 at the time so maybe it
2: made sense yeah, yeah. Sense.
0: So Elisa, can you tell me what was what was the ICFP what was that about
2: So the ICFP, the Institute of Certified Financial Planners, we were all and exclusively about CFP licensees. We were... primarily focused on practicing certified financial planners so cfps who were practicing financial planning that's certainly what our educational programming was about it's what our the journal of financial planning was about Um, um, but we also of course welcomed any cfp licensee to be a member Um, and but we were we were very much i mean just laser beam focused on being about certified financial planners
0: so you have these two different groups and Corralling thirty thousand people <laughs> or so. Uh, how did the, where did the conversation start to merge to merge the two organizations?
8: Well, as I as I recall, um, a couple of things happened to make this uh, uh, make, make it at least open to our discussion. And I, and I need to need to make sure we this these these conversations began in nineteen ninety eight, not nineteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. They began in nineteen ninety eight. And a couple of things happened. Uh, you may recall that um, uh, Peggy Ruin and uh, Judy, Judy Lau wrote a joint article about what what it was like a what if article. What if?
2: It's actually Peggy Rulin wrote oh, an Peggy article. Oh Peggy Rulin wrote the article. Cover article for Financial Planning correct. Magazine entitled Something Like If I, I, were, I were
8: Queen. If I Were Queen that's right. That's correct. That's correct. And it was about it was Queen. Th- there would only be one and there would only be one organization.
2: And it was the article <laughs> was came about, however from sitting with her feet up with Judy Lau drinking I think a Mai Tai on the beach somewhere saying why do we have two organizations and they were they were peers they were each president of the organization I think in the same or similar years so they were talking about why do we have two organizations and I think you know Peggy said I think there should be one and Judy said why not and then Peggy wrote her article. Peggy wrote the
8: article right. But then then something happened that that I think, if this did not happen, then we could not have had, I don't believe, our conversations. The IAFP was always, uh, considered itself to be designation neutral, which basically did not, the IAFP didn't, didn't, didn't endorse one designation over another. We said, we are designation neutral, so whatever your designation is, we welcome you. We wanted to continue welcoming people, but we made a statement, and the board passed a resolution. Uh, there, was a, there, was a sub, there was a committee that made the recommendation. The board adopted the, reg, the, 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 the recommendation, and the board passed a resolution that said the CFP designation was the preferred designation, and that opened up the opportunity for us to talk.
0: And what was the response when that paper came out?
8: When, when the... the I don't remember much of a response. There were some people that, you know, were probably... Well, certainly,
6: I mean, among people that belong to both organizations, it meant a possibility of less dues if we don't have to pay dues in two (laughs) places. (laughs) So there was a cheer out there about that. Um, I think in other quarters, there was concern, and we can certainly hear from the ICFP side what the concerns were. And there were concerns in the organization that felt it, it... in essence, it was still designation neutral. We wanted all kinds of people to be there. We didn't want to close in just around the CFP designation because we wanted to continue to bring more and more people into the field, into the profession. So there were those, and we had CHFCs as members. We had you know, CPAs with a PFS designation. We had other designations in financial planning, maybe not as strong or whatever as the CFP, but they were, they were adamant that we not do this because it just what you know it would ruin what we had put together.
5: And the paper itself didn't trigger any of this. <clears throat> right. It was when it was when the two organizations actually started having a conversation about the possibility of merger that members of each organization began to have a reaction, and you know there were there were there were. Um, you know, there were a lot of negative reactions on the ICFP side of people who didn't want to be part of an organization that would allow anyone other than CFPs to be a member. And so it was, it was, not, a, it was not an easy conversation. It was not an easy conversation for the board.
3: No, it was a very difficult conversation. Uh, I know it took 18 months to work through it and it many times almost broke down. But it was ugly sometimes on our board of the ICFP that they were strong group that just did not want this to happen in the process. We did not agree with it uh, and there was a lot of back and forth. The good part is at the end of the day we all got along, could have a drink together or whatever but during those board meetings there was a lot of contention over the process and why are we doing this.
0: So the IACFP really wanted to maintain you had to have a CFP to be a member of this organization. That was organization. the to
3: we wanted to it. C- we were a CFP organization and the question was did the IAFP in accepting the CFP know what it meant? And we had passion about it, which a lot of people still have about it, and that was the key to us was the passion around the marks. That was the key. From the IFP side, we came at it more
6: from, say, a business point of view. So we had on our board and as members of the organization larger corporations, people with a lot of corporate background. Um, Our meetings were relatively successful because of the number of people who came. We had a fairly good-sized budget. It was 1999. The stock market was going crazy, so we had a very nice war chest of money, um, and we we sat there and we said, "Well, what's the future?" And the future would be if David and his team got it together here. The CFP would someday emerge as the financial planning professional. So, from the IFP's point of view. It was like, okay, we have to at some point here say that is our mark and that is what our brand and what we want to drive it forward. So there was a lot of, I would say, high-level business thought put into why it made sense for the two organizations to merge.
2: And the interesting, one of the interesting pieces about it is that the IAFP had always, I mean, it was the International Association for Financial Planning. So it had been about the financial planning process, about doing financial planning always. And then the ICFP had been about CFPs doing financial planning. So when, the, when there was a, when the surface was, was you know, whatever, when, that, when it was cracked that we, that the IAFP now was saying that if you're doing financial planning, you should be. It's best if you're a CFP. I mean, that's really what created the opening for us to have the dialogue.
0: And so, this may be stating the obvious, but what's the significance of this? Like, looking at the larger financial planning profession, like, why, why, why was this such a big deal that, that these two groups came together?
7: I'm feeling a strong urge to interject, if I may. Please. So before we go to that, yep to date this thing it was early 90s not late cuz Larry Carroll the, this, the time that it took was the second time it was the second time there was, was a previous attempt at this it was early 90s not late 90s the right. time that it took was late 90s and it was Larry Carroll now I, I was involved in both organizations i was doing the chapter leader thing i was excuse me society leader in fort in fort worth of the ICFP and i was simultaneously chapter leader of the IAFP Okay, and that's and uh, who was it on the ICFP side? It was a, it was an implosion when Larry Carroll and somebody I don't remember if it was Lou Walker or who it was when they came together in North Carolina, I believe, or maybe in Atlanta. Uh, it was an implosion. So the, the it was it was not there. There was no Glenn Tecker. Okay, there was no uh, organizational consultant like we had the second time. The time that it took. And it was also more dominated uh, by the volunteers. There was less David and Janet, uh, professional executive director, help in the process. So personalities at the very top clashed hard. I don't remember. Does anybody here remember what happened on that? Who I do remember. I, I do it, remember sure that Larry fell, it fell, it fell, it fell apart. It looked, with, it looked like it, just it was fell going apart. to. It yeah, looked it, like it, it was going to happen. Then it, it fell apart. It fell apart. So Peggy revived it. Yes. With her article. That was a, that was a revival of the conversation, probably almost a decade later. I mean, a long time passed, and it simmered, and and both organizations grew during that period of time, and then when Peggy wrote that article, that that restarted the conversation.
2: And if you yeah. rewind even further from from the Larry Carroll era. Um, Paul Fain will talk about walking, you know, taking long walks with his dad, Kemp Fain, who said probably a decade before that, maybe, um, that it makes no sense that there are two organizations. And, you know, in my vision, there will be one organization. And I hope that yeah. happens.
6: Yeah. yeah, I think our our concept, again, coming from a bigger background was it needed to be larger. One organization could be larger than two. And you needed size in order to have political persuasion. You needed size in order to make a dent in the public's mind as to who is a financial planner. So we always had a goal that if we could get together, the we, could get, to a, we yeah. could get to 100,000 yeah. members, yeah. we would have critical mass, people would listen to us. You know, at this time, and, and even today, we still have many financial services organizations out there competing with the minds of, of clients and people And so how do we, if we have the right idea, how do we get together and make this bigger and make this better?
2: And and there was a lot of frictional loss um, you know, it's not that we, we competed. We didn't compete in an ugly way. No, one, you know, We weren't taking out smear ads against each other, but the two organizations were competing for members, they were competing for sponsorship dollars, they were competing for ad space, they were competing for an, and the lobbying space, as Joe said, and so there was just a lot of frictional loss that we saw could be gone if there was just one organization. Focused on financial planning,
7: I recall vividly the, uh, the how wasteful and crazy it how, how duplicative it seemed when I would trot off to Stone Mountain, Georgia, with Janet for chapter leadership stuff for the IA, and then trot off to Denver with Marv to do the same <laughs> thing for the IC. Same thing, going going east and going north, you know, for exactly the same thing. It, in fact, we this this was not approved of by either national, but we merged them locally long before. In Fort Worth, we merged. We had our meetings. We didn't really merge them. But we had our meetings together because it was absurd.
0: Right. So you talked about the frictional loss. Like when, so when they merged, was there, I mean, there were members who didn't go with the FPA that, that went with? that just left the professional organizations? You know, I
2: don't, yes. David, what, what were the no, numbers? Very, 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 was, very few.
4: It was very, very there little fallout. there were. There were some yeah. people that were there were, there, there, were was, there were
8: some very disgruntled people. So, some, very very
2: some non-CFPs yeah. did leave, who had been IAFP members, did leave. And some of them a little noisily, but I'm tell- I bet we could, count- we could certainly count them on all the fingers and, and toes in this room. I mean, it just was not. There was mentally- very
5: little loss. And one of the things that's important to remember is that <clears throat> the merger took place officially January 1 of 2000. Um, and 2000 was a year in which the dot-com bubble burst. Yep. And we went into a market, we went into a severe, we went into a recession and a market decline that continued until early 2003, punctuated by 9-11, and was a very tumultuous time. And there were also a lot of members who dropped out because during rough times like that, people just drop out of the profession. You know, there are people who are kind of living on the fringes. they always drop out of the profession or they at least...
6: Or out of the associations. They're tightening their belts and they drop out of the They may still be working. Yeah. Yeah. So,
5: so, you know, whatever the high watermark was at the time of merger, it was inevitably going to drop off during those next three years because we went into a recession, we went into a market decline, and all that goes with that.
4: Well, to give you a sense of the level of membership support, the ICFP needed a membership vote in order to approve the merger. I mean, one of the great... Professional experiences of my life was spending <clears throat> one thousand nine hundred and ninety nine with Elisa literally traveling the country just about every ICFp society and we the end game was eighty percent this is extraordinary for a volunteer professional membership association. eighty percent of the ICFP members voted in the election, and eighty percent of those who voted voted for the merger that 's uh, Pretty extraordinary number when you think about the value-passioned uh, centricity around the ICFP membership. It
3: was in the ICFP bylaws that there had to be a vote. members had to vote a Some real of those so, some of those society visits were not comfortable.
5: I remember going to the LA Society, which had a you know which which you know, the members had been the, le- the especially the leadership had been very vocally opposed to merger, and I presented representing the board. I presented our you know our rationale and our recommendation. And uh, at, at the end of my presentation, the, the, the group that was there basically said, we trust you. We're going to go with
3: it. I remember having two meetings. I remember one was in Westchester, in New York, and at having uh, breakfast with the local ICFP board and just the abuse because they thought sponsorship would take over. It all would be about the money. The CFP marks would be diluted. It would become basically just a big organization about money. Then I remember going to an IAFP meeting in New York, which I never did, I wasn't a member. Uh, and all of a sudden I looked around and I saw a handful of people that I used to see at the ICFP meetings. <laughs> and I was like, there's more crossover than I believed yeah. and thought, so it was interesting.
4: I mean, when you th- the, the complexity of merging these two entities is pretty extraordinary. One, you've got the different organizational values. Second, you had at the time of the merger approximately, the local communities at the ICFP were called societies had about 85 ICFP societies, merging with about 125 IAFP chapters. In addition to that, you had two competent executive directors who had completely different organizational and staff cultures. You could not have had a more complex puzzle to put together, but somehow you had to have a a higher level vision that was the calling that people continually had to sort of lean into. It was not, it, it's quite the challenge.
0: And so you were executive director, so that, you know, for the listeners, that means that you were really the one in charge of making it happen.
4: Yeah, I, I, I mean, so you need, it, it has to be a perfect alignment of the stars. If you don't have the right volunteer leaders, I've been involved in about five or six of these mergers. If you don't have the right volunteers at the right time, you can't move up the mark, off the mark, because it can't be staff driven. I don't care who you are. Then you have to have executive directors who are willing to set aside a certain level of of ego. I mean, both Janet and I had our own way of running the business, the other organization, so can we can come together for the good of, of the profession. So that has to happen, and then there needs to be a compelling enough vision to create the new organization, which is sort of funny, I'm laughing because we didn't know what we were going to call the new organization. Was, so I, it's one so, of my questions. So yeah. we, use, we use the placeholder name of TNO, the new organization. The new organization TNO. TNO. We
2: almost called it the new association, but that would have been TNA. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, 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 yeah. So it's not. So you need a lot of things. I've, I've seen merges fail because staff people get in the way. I've seen merges fail because you don't have the right kind of higher vision values from volunteer leaders, or you can, not and especially in nonprofits, which are people come together, passionate people around a common purpose, but they are really stuck from an, ego, from an egocentric standpoint on who they've been. So it's, it's pretty, it's an extraordinary lift.
7: So I have a little different take on that. Please. Surprise. So David taught me well about not getting outcome vested. And so we go into this deal, and I'm thinking it's a dance. I'm thinking it's a talk. You know, we've got these two merger teams, five individuals from each organization, meeting regularly at your favorite place, the O'Hare Hilton in Chicago, and way too regularly, right? And very quickly, I could tell Dave and Janet wanted a merger. This was this was the most outcome vested, preconceived. It, it was it was mind boggling, and they had Glenn Tecker beating that drum as well. <laughs> And I was I was frankly kind of shocked. I I thought we were having talks to see if there was a good fit. You know, I knew it, I knew that it had washed out badly once before, several years prior, and I thought probably a little better shot at it this time. But I was it it did not come across to me as not being outcome vested. It, it seemed to me like a highly
3: preconceived. Conclusion. I think I yeah, think and, I, and I would yeah. agree. I mean, <laughs> I, was, there were I people, was a little stunned. There were people on the board because when we went through this process with Glenn Tecker, and I remember I was uh, 97, my first year, so 98, second year. But we had new board members who didn't understand what was going on. And here we're being presented with here is the end goal, one organization. So yeah. we work backwards, or we work to get there because we know what the outcome is. And we're sitting there saying that's not the outcome we want. We have no desire. So why are we doing that? And then the project team would come back and we'd have discussions and it would get very, very uh, uncomfortable at times because yeah. there were a, a sizable amount that we just were invested in that outcome. So I agree with there you There was that. a lot to be worked out.
7: I use the term dance. I mean, there was a considerable, that's why there were so many trips to the O'Hare Hilton. Yeah. There was a lot of conversation to be had. It was not going to be a slam-bam I,
4: transaction. Including,
5: including things like um, if the organization was going to, take a media source and refer them to an expert, would the expert only be a CFP or would we send them to other experts? If, we were gonna, if the public came to the, the association looking for a referral to a financial planner, would they only be fer- referred to a financial planner who was
2: a CFP professional? Right, we- but those conversations were only after the decision had been made. Those were not before the decision had been made. I agree, they were not made. Okay.
8: The, pro- the project, the, those were things that didn't come up that I, to my knowledge, when the project team was meeting uh, but it's interesting you mentioned outcome, because I would say that um, each board probably had the, the following three groups of people. One that really wanted it to happen, so they were definitely, this is the outcome we want, let's make it work. I was among those, <laughs> to be honest. You probably know that. <laughs> there were some on our board that didn't want it to happen, and they didn't even know why we were bothering. And then there were some who were open-minded. That's and I, my guess would be that's what your board looked like too. And and yeah. and Joe Joe made a comment that was interesting in that we had some heated conversations, but the most heated conversations occurred when we were with our board.
3: <laughs> yeah. That's
8: that's that's yeah. when we had the the, the, I, I the, the most disagreement. And you and my guess is you had the same thing happening. Exactly.
4: There. I'll share a little bit different take on the, because I know in these mergers, and I know with Elise and I, we talk about it all the time. You cannot make this happen if you're overly attached. You cannot make this happen unless you surrender to whatever outcome is going to. There is a, there's sort of an elegance of being passionately involved in pressing case and being a part of the journey and also completely detaching and surrendering. Or this, or, or it doesn't work. It's almost like buying a house, you can't get too attached to that. So there was a lot of passion. In, in trying to make this happen, but there was also a great deal of detachment and surrendering. Because if you don't if you don't do that, then you're not open to feedback from your members. You're not open to what the landscape is telling you. So, I agree somewhat, Guy, that there was a lot of passion. Yeah, there's a lot of good here. Let's see if we can, can make it, but there was also a tremendous amount of surrender. I remember talking to board members about if this doesn't happen, what is our strategic thinking and plan moving forward at the, as as an ICFP unmerged.
2: Yeah, we we had that conversation yep. at a at a board meeting um right in the midst of all of this. It was one of our it was if this doesn't happen, what are we going to do? And the board right. had a very measured positive forward-looking dialogue and you know, the conclusion was simple, yeah. we're just going to make the best ICFP that could ever exist and, and hug our friends at the IAFP on the way. And uh, so, so we, did, we did define basically what things were going to, to look like. But the ICFP, I will just say the ICFP board members went on the road to talk to ICFP members with a total detachment. And I think that's why we yeah. got 64%, if you take 80% of 80%, yeah, yeah. a full 64% of the members voting positively was because, and I saw it over and over and over again where you would show up and people were, I mean, it almost had they were almost burning torches. Yeah. They didn't want this to happen. And you just would literally listen and they'd ask really, really brilliant questions. And you'd say, yes, actually we have thought of that. And here's what we will do if this happens. Oh, that's an interesting question. We haven't thought of that. I'll write that one down and we'll take it back to the project team. Yes, we have thought of that and we hate this part of it and we're not going to do that. All along the way, and honestly, you'd get to the end of a chapter meeting and the, the energy level would just be like, everyone would be sitting like shoulders down, like, well, this is interesting. Actually, this sounds like a good idea. And it was it was truly, even if you had a personal opinion, you can have a personal opinion, but being truly detached is why I think it happened the way it happened, and why it went as well as it went. Yeah.
7: Those three other- groups that we had, that each board apparently had, the pros, the cons, right. and, the und- and the undecided, open-minded, whatever, uh, the, on the ICFP side, the third that was con had a name. It was the Gang of Five, and two of them are sitting in this room. <laughs>
8: Yeah, I, I. And you know who were, you are. Oh, yeah, yeah sure, sure. <laughs> and, and here's the interesting. Thing. When we, when we, we had these project teams meeting, we, we I don't know how many we had. Uh, it, it was, it was more than I wanted to have. I re, all I remember, it was very stressful. If I, recall. I mean, it just was very stressful. I joked, but this actually happened that I got back from one of those Chicago trips and I was going upstairs to bed later on and there was a bottle of Jinka biloba on the <laughs> the stairs, and my wife said, take two every day.
4: <laughs> so, so
8: obviously, I was, I, was, I was showing my stress. But there were a couple of things I think about that, something that came to mind that, that this, I don't know that this had the impact on the ICFP members that I thought it had, and I don't know if you even remember it. Steve Barnes was his name, by the way. Phoenix. And Steve Barnes, from, from, from what I gathered from the early meetings, was not a proponent of doing this.
7: He was a Gang of Five member.
5: Okay. No,
8: I don't remember. he was not.
5: He wasn't? He was Stephen on, the, he was on the, the, the negotiation team. Yeah. And he, actually, Scott and I used to argue with him. I'd set team? aside a was whole a Friday yeah, every, a every week in order to have a day-long, a day-long debate by email with Stephen. He was, mm-hmm. Stephen and was And that was told, the early days of email. Okay, but, but what, what happened
8: <laughs> was something occurred at one of the meetings, and if you remember this, Steve said, I just got an epiphany. Does anybody remember that I,
7: I remember him saying that, but I don't, that, I don't remember what the epiphany was. I don't remember
8: what that epiphany was, but it seemed to change that. a lot of people's minds. Do you, do you know, know what it was? I remember,
4: I, I, do remember I, I do remember a situation with with Dave that was a bit transformational, and I still use his line today. And, and maybe this is significant is that the more we met, the more we began to see each other more deeply. I mean, you have images of someone be. oh, you might see someone sort of walking around, but the more time you you eat with someone, you talk to them, you spend time with them, you understand who they are more deeply. I remember Dave at one of the first joint board meetings or pre-joint meetings saying that, you know, you have to see people as something more than two-dimensional. And that always stuck with me. And there's something that happened in the process where we got to know and trust each other more. And you just you have to commit to be ch- to be in each other's lap a whole lot, and I think that's what really changed it. And Maybe that's part of what changed I don't, Steve I don't Barnes know, I don't around really
8: too. But 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 then the next thing I think we did that facilitated all this was we made a decision. Okay, the project teams have done as much as they can. Now we have to have both boards meet together. Right. Exactly. And, that, but, and I remember it's you September and I in the Philadelphia. Hall,
5: jaw to jaw. Okay. <laughs> Those are my memories as well. Every time we would break, I'd head for the men's room and I couldn't get halfway there and Roy's in my face like, no, no,
2: no, you don't understand, let me tell you. And Janet McAllen had mimosas I mean, you for just, us you for the you board did, meeting. At, that, the at that point
8: in time, you just didn't want this to happen. That's true,
5: that's true.
2: And I, would, I had
8: to show you why you were wrong.
0: So Dave, what, you, you know, we're kind of pointing you out as one of this gang of five, if you would. What changed your mind? Like, what was that process like for you?
5: You know, a couple of things changed my mind. First of all, I, I, I did, you know, under the tutelage of David Brand over the, 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 you know, almost three years I'd been on the board by the time this decision was made, uh, you know, I, I had gotten a little bit better at starting to be less outcome vested and to trust the process, to trust the, the board process, our board process, and, um, and to live in the dialogue. And I also began to see I also began to see what really didn't take full form until after the merger in my mind, but I began to see the glimmers of the possibility that that lived, the possibilities when you had an organization which was exclusively, historically, it was exclusively focused on the power of the financial planning process. And an organization, and, and we know that's a very powerful process that can transform lives for the better, right? Through the financial planning process. And and you had another organization that had, that was solely and exclusively focused on individuals who had been certified, certified financial planner professionals. uh, Whether or not they were practicing financial planning, although, as Elisa said, the majority of them were. uh, But really it was the mark that we were focused on, holders of the mark. And when you combine the two, where you have an organization that's about the power of the process, and acknowledging the power of the process by saying, but the process should only be wielded by those who are certified. You know, that just, I don't know, that just, that, that started to become ever more compelling.
6: With, with all the back and forth and the, I wouldn't call it fighting, but arguing about things, at the end of the day, we would always say, raise your eyes up, look out on the horizon. What do you see in the future out on the horizon? What you see is a competent, ethical financial planner, who can help people and that resonated pretty much with our entire board now did it need to be a cfp or could it be somebody else you know we'd have all these kinds of arguments but at the end of the day we wanted something that would be competent and ethical and the cfp program and and certification was the best that was out there, and it probably continues to be the best today. And, and the
5: thing that the thing that I worried about, though, the th- and the reason I was of the gang of five for so long and was a holdout for so long, including those that first joint meeting, was that you know the, there were some people like you, Joe, who held on to this idea that it was going to be a big, it was going to continue to be a big tent. Oh, and, just
6: one quick aside, Tony Green, who was a, a, a leader in the financial planning field. He built a huge broker dealer based around financial planning and the process. And he came into one of our meetings one day with a big baseball hat on the head, BAT on there. And we're like, Tony, what does that mean? He says, big ass tent. No matter what you guys do, it better end up as a big ass tent. And, and the
5: thing that worried me about the big ass tent was that the big ass tent included accountants and lawyers and, and, and all kinds of different groups in addition to CFPs. And You know, my concern was, at the end of the day, they all had another home. They had the AICPA, and they had the American Bar Association. They had another home to go through that was exclusively for them. What was going to be the home for CFPs? Because if it wasn't going to be FPA, they weren't going to have an exclusive home.
3: And, And that was an important part for us, because everything Joe said about the process and everything, we all agreed on that, but adding on, and they need to be CFP practitioners, or CFPs. So that was the key part, and I mean, through the whole 18 months, I believe, This thing broke down numerous times. I think there was the um, Super Bowl Sunday fax letter. The Super Bowl Sunday, (laughs) the emails. um, um, But yeah, but just- Till one in the morning. uh, At least. Uh, But finally, I mean, the last part of it was when five of us, which actually the five in this room, were invited to Chicago to meet, maybe meet, with some of the IAFP board. And we sat- Maybe meet. We sat down. They were holding a board meeting. Yeah, and we We were- We knew they were there. And we sat downstairs all day waiting to be invited up, not knowing if we would. Because Janet asked us to come, and I don't know who else, Roy, you may have been part of that, whatever. And we finally were invited up, and we basically just said, um, These are the key parts to us about CFP, about the practitioner side, about the media, about the uh, planner search. And everybody there said, Yeah, that's fine. And we said, Let's move forward.
2: So it's somewhere in here during one of the one of the breakdowns. Um, Joe called me and invited me out to lunch at the Ritz. The AFP paid, and um, we and, had the money. Right. The, <laughs> <laughs> that's the and we theory. had the passion. And, um, <laughs> and and basically, we just looked at each other and said, "All right, what is it that what is it that your board needs? What is it that your board needs? What is it that you need?" And it was the big tent. And it was the financial planners should be CFPs. And we just looked at each other and said, this is just not that difficult, as long as we, you know, could not get bogged down on everything else. But there, we, we weren't speaking for each other. We were speaking for our boards. We knew what the, what each board needed. And and it just, I mean, I'm not taking credit for anything. I'm just saying it was just an interesting, it was one of the interesting flexion points that I think gets to Scott's point of, of we, we, it kind of synthesized down to, or synthesized up maybe, to the big pieces, and we realized that, that looking at the horizon, it really was gonna make sense, and so we were gonna take a breath and figure out how to work out. And at day. that yeah, point, Elisa
6: said, what I really need is another glass of wine.
8: <laughs> 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 it's really interesting because, because some of the people on the IAFP board were adamant about the fact that we needed to have a, continue to have a broker-dealer division, and I know that that was a bone of contention, and finally the ICFP agreed that we would have a broker-dealer division. And, and, and the, <laughs> the irony about all that is that at some point in the future, when we began to advocate uh, for the, against the, the broker-dealer rule, the, the Merrill Lynch rule, uh, they were in conflict with us. And they found that, that what we were advocating for and what they were advocating for was not compatible anymore. And they break off. And we wound up without a broker-dealer division. But we could have never had this merger without the broker dealer division. That's
2: <laughs> that is such a great example. Yeah. That is such a great example, because there were there were so many others of those kinds of details. IFP had a lot of different um, task forces and and committees and stuff, and the ICFP had really whittled down really. Core, you know, core committees, and so we were all up in arms. We don't need that many committees, and 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 we leaned in and said, "Well, that's silly. Why are we arguing about this? Let's just have them." And and I probably can't remember things, but there were things the ICFP absolutely had to have, and I'm sure the IA people said, "Um, oh, no, we can't have that." It's like, and they leaned in, and the 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 details became. Not unimportant. We spent a lot of time on them, but they weren't the deciding factor.
3: Well, and many of those details, we figured, okay, we agreed we're going to do this. We actually then had to go out and sell it to our members or whatever. But after that, we thought, okay, that's the hard part. The hard part when we all got together and discussing all the little details, and I mean, I remember conversations, do we give certificates? And a lot of us said no, because people will put it on the wall, see a certificate from the Newark, TNO or whatever it was going to be called, saying that's like a credential for those right. non-CFPs. And we said, we don't do that. And you know, every little thing negotiated in Wordsmith, and you had 30-some-odd people working together. We see these were joint boards now. and With, so Within it was a the process CFP
7: and was... all the credential, the big tent versus the CFP-centric, as we called it. There was, between the two merger attempts, the one that blew up in the the early 90s and the one that took in the late 90s, there was a credentialing war that happened behind the scenes between the two organizations. They both formed a registry. They both formed a registry as a credential that was like the real planners. IFP did it first, and I think Jack Blankenship did it in response at the ICFP. Remember that? Remember the registry? Of, I remember the IA. You registry. remember this, yeah, right? I remember I, 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 remember, C- I remember. I remember I, yeah. Jack
8: Blankenship showing up at our meeting, okay, yep. selling us on the fact that we could not have a registry, and we eventually didn't have a registry, we'll which was another step forward. Right? Because yeah. with the registry, yeah. I don't know. That was a couple years ahead of time. It. Yeah,
6: but we got rid of that. We sold it. We got system. rid yeah. of money. Yeah. Got What do we sell it to? You no, know, you converted Cfp board. them, CFP board, The
8: CFP board yeah. bought it from us Whatever they get to give us seven cents or something like that, whatever. They have more money than we did. Oh, they have a lot more money than we did. Dueling registries as a credential. They have a lot more money than a lot of, is this being recorded?
6: That was interesting, too. I mean, this is a little tidbit, but at the time, we would have conversations, obviously, with the ICFP and the IFP, but we also had conversations with the CFP board. And sure. We and you know we would talk to them, and we'd say, you know, what what's the future look like? How Are we working together? And then we find out that the ICFP and the CFP Board were at odds and banging their heads together. I remember that. When, and after we're merger, like, what you the said, hell, is, you guys what the hell is this all about? It. I remember you it know? was Adams
3: Mark Hotel. It was uh, I guess it was 1999. So we already were, were going through the merger process, but it wasn't you know until 2000. And that's when CFP Board came out with CFP Light. And it was associate right. CFP. Yeah, associate right. Well, okay. It was what we call the CFP light, and it was um, uh, Harold Devansky, and was was it Bob? Bob who yeah. was the executive yeah. director there on the stage, and it was our annual conference uh, yep. retreat, whatever. It was a conference, uh, and the abuse that they were taking oh, from the members, saying you can't do this. People will use a CFP light; they'll misuse it. And I remember a few of the uh, IA board members afterwards saying. So this is what you guys have been dealing with with the CFP board all these years? And why, <laughs> And they finally saw, some of them, why we were at odds with from, the from CFP a, from board. From a business we point not,
6: of view, it seemed to make sense. You get more people in. So you take
3: associate CFPs that weren't right.
6: maybe full fledged CFPs, but it brought more people in. We're like, this and, is and great. And from the
3: big 10 to big numbers, that works. And from <laughs> our side, that's diluting the mark. So we weren't concerned about having billions of members. We were concerned about having CFP members. And we're like, exactly. wow, I can't believe this. So that was, that was another complexity, I think, that as
6: we were approaching this merger, trying to understand the role of CFP board in this new FPA or whatever it was, TNO and our to FPA. How does this work together? And What are we doing with this? And how will it work going forward? Tough. It was a tough one. Because I, I would meet with Harold and, and uh, Bob, and they would talk. And a lot of times you couldn't meet with people like this until 11 o'clock at night because you're at a busy annual meeting, there's things going on all day. Mm-hmm. We'd sit there and they were going, nee, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I couldn't even understand anything they were saying. And Finally I said to Janet, I'm never meeting with them again. That's over. We'll meet with these guys, at least they talk in English. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. were
7: yeah. So when, we, when the two boards finally struck the deal from the two merger teams that each organization had going back and, and kind of bringing their boards on board with, with it. Then the two boards you know, had their votes and of course on the ICFP side, the vote was just, okay, now we get to go out and sell it to the members. I, IA didn't have that issue. It, what, that wasn't in their bylaws, it was not a constraint. But all it did with us was just create a massive sales challenge to go you know, campaign around the country in person at all these chapters trying to make the case. Societies. So, societies. Excuse me, societies. And, and, yeah. Making the case for why. why,
3: you know. And we had to and, believe it ourselves, which we did at that point yeah. because even the Gang of Five was fully into it. And I remember a year or so before, part of the issue we had is some of the leadership in our group, is no one's in this room, uh, when some of us said, well, I can't support that if the board voted. I remember somebody saying, well, if… The board votes. You have to support it. And I remember saying, I will resign the board if I don't believe in it. I'm not going to yeah. try to yeah. force something on members that I can't buy. Yeah, yeah not and, something and like that. You're right. We did they Yeah. You they do were, know, have to go with the board. And and it was once,
7: anything but a foregone conclusion that the members were going to say I, yes. We, it was nowhere near a foregone conclusion. took us a long 18 we months really to get there. We were really
3: yeah. wondering. And we did not know if it would happen. And we were also, we said, if it doesn't happen, we're okay with that. We'll move yeah. forward in what we need to do. We, But we went out there, and it was... And And on our side, we didn't
6: have to go out there, but I got on the phone and called every former president of IAFP and interviewed them for a while and said, does this make sense? I mean, you've been in this as long as I have, a lot longer, you have a lot more history. And to a person, they said it makes total sense if you can get it done. It's a good luck, get it done, but it makes total sense.
3: What was interesting, too, and you may have heard it uh, more from your side, was that when I'd go out to local meetings or something, people would say, how come they get the vote and we don't? And it's the bylaws. We don't control that. And I was happy I didn't have to deal with that, you know, Speak to your uh, association, but
8: note, note they're not in the FPA. But that is not
5: in yeah. the FPA.
8: Actually, yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, a vote,
5: a vote to merge or dissolve or anything major like that, it does still require. Was
8: oh, that still require a required vote? I don't remember that. We left certain
5: things in
2: there, but I know, I changed know changed most it, but... of
8: those things that you needed to vote on. We, we that was that right. Was we used of... to
2: have to vote. <laughs> we used to have to vote on on the the board, presi- the, the board slate or the, the president slate, at least, right, right, right. And, and we, we would get that. two and a half percent of the members, which is why it's even that is even, however, an. argument before, it's even so, more remarkable that eighty percent of the membership voted right. in yeah. the merger. Right.
0: So, y'all decided to to make this merger. The vision of an organization and the mission. I mean, that's very much the core of what everything is about. How did you decide on a? Mission and vision statement for for this new organization.
7: <laughs> that was what well, the meetings wait, in Chicago wait, were. So, we but wait, doing. You,
2: you're before we even got. We, we how many hours did we spend on whether it was going to be Financial Planner Association or Financial Planning Association? Wait, yeah.
7: exactly. PR versus ING. Ten
2: millions stuff. of dollars of, of human capital <laughs> spent we on the, that um, one. How about the logo? <laughs> so okay, so
0: let's talk about the name. So okay, so we go from
6: that, that, once it got CNA. approved. It was still TNO. Yep.
0: Okay, so it was TNO, and,
6: and and I said we're not going through with this if it's TNO. We are not going public. <laughs> <laughs> <in the TNO." laughs> and I remember talking to Elisa about it, and, and she's like, "Why? Wow, we've got everybody. Everything's together now. We're just going to get this done, and we're going to get it done." And I, I said, think, I "We are that, not going forward so, with TNO." I remember
8: it got down to you got down to the Association for Financial Planning or the Financial Planning Association. That's pretty much what it got down it's to probably,
3: the only thing we could agree on because we couldn't have certified in there we couldn't right. certain things we knew we weren't going to have and there was there was some, some dialogue around
5: would it be would it be the American Association of Financial Planning right um,
7: or US or yeah. right but that was yeah why we were out the
6: international was
3: beyond us but because well, it would sound it was like one one of those things you had, had to give to up yeah <laughs> so we could not have international we not have US so that cut out regional and, and there was
5: already a financial planning association in Australia, and we called them up and said, do you mind if we have the same name? And they said we would be honored.
2: Yeah. But you have to, I mean, it, to think back, it was the actual coming together piece. In hindsight, it's comical, but at the time, I mean, it was, as everyone said, it was hugely stressful. We did not roll the new organization into the IAFP's corporate umbrella despite the fact that the IFP had some tax loss carry forwards or something that we could have used in some way because the ICFP board simply refused energetically we are not merging into even though we did not feel that the IFP was trying to like take us over but energetically we could not merge into that Corporate umbrella, because we had told all of our members, this is not a takeover, this is not a takeover, this is not a takeover, and so we insisted that we create a new organization, an actual new corporate and corporation and and there were probably a hundred i maybe not but fifteen other issues just like that that we one group or one board or the other insisted. Go a certain way because energetically we just needed to make sure that this was a peer to peer combination.
3: And, and then you had different structures on the board. I mean, when we merged in 2000, we had two executive directors, two uh, assistant executive directors. Uh, I'll let Guy and Roy talk about the presidential decision. Uh, the coin, we had right? to, uh, we didn't have vice presidents on the ICFP side, the IAFP did, and there were people there that didn't wanna give that up. So on the ICFP board, we had an, a vote to name two vice presidents, which Dave and I became vice presidents, so that we had two, na- each side now brought two. So we had four vice presidents and we had 30 some odd people on the board, two offices, Denver and Atlanta.
4: We also had uh, duplication of programs and services. Yeah. Newsletters, publications, Meeting continuing planners. education programs, let alone staff duplication—I mean, it was it was pretty extraordinary.
0: So, David, on that like staff duplication, and did you have to lay off staff, or how how did that work? Or the coordinating between yeah. the offices.
4: So I remember Janet and I. Janet and I got along great, and we would meet, and we would. There are times we would be in in front of huge whiteboards and we would lay out all the staff and we would lay out the programs and services. I mean, the board did a great job, both boards of trusting us with that kind of work and we began to put the organization together, trying to be as gracious as possible with the staff because they lived through, this staff, staff did not resign. They lived through this whole process of wondering, will I have a job? So we tried to be as accommodating, gracious as possible and so it was a much larger organization to start. Now, over time, there was you know a certain amount of um, uh, constriction, and but yeah, it was it was ba- it was almost it was almost just adding both staffs together as a start, but then figuring out how do you repurpose the resources so you're not duplicating efforts.
3: And we also had a, even at board meetings, staffs had different ways of of working because. The ICFP staff was involved in our board meetings. They were involved in the discussions. I believe the IAFP staff, many of them were not involved. Not many of
8: them. We don't, had, we don't had Janet at our board meetings. So they a, weren't involved. So all of
3: a staff, sudden you had ICFP staff who's was coming in, and IAFP. So there was a whole different way of dealing with right. the boards and the organization. It's just too,
4: too completely, you can have two competent executive directors who have a completely different organizational ph- philosophy and cultural protocols. And neither is bad or good, but they are so completely distinct. We had even policy governance
7: to... at the IFP and Denver hippie, Boulder hippie governance at the ICFP. <laughs> Excuse I mean, me. it was it was the farthest opposite Excuse ends of the governance me. spectrum that you could imagine. They're
6: like passing to a call feather that... around to talk. You know, whoever's holding the feather can talk. We're like, what the hell is that? <laughs>
4: but it worked.
5: <laughs> but we had to have microphones because... Because when there are thirty people on a board, that's a big board table in a big room. Wait
4: a minute. Wait a minute. I want to correct there. Instead of calling it the Boulder Hippie Culture, we could call it things like self-organization, oh. a, living, a living systems approach. do me I just going want to David. Get that on the record. That's all. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh,
0: so you come up with there were two president elects, one for each organization, and now you need one president. Yep. How, what, what was, now let me, it was. A young
7: man right there tossed a coin in the air in Washington, D.C., a quarter. What, yeah, what happened? So, so
0: that, was, that was Roy and Guy, who yeah, were that's both right. president we, elects.
8: We were, we were, we were both president elects. And there were some people, uh, I know certainly some people on, on the IAFP board that did this, um, who uh, thought that each of us should serve six months. That was, that was, that was hmm. I never, I never heard that. I never heard oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, there, there was, there was some, you know, self-serving going on with that, when that was happening. People in a hurry
5: to get in the, in line? I mean,
8: yeah, let me, let me, <laughs> let me hurry because I want to become president of this organization pretty quick. So there was some of that that went on. And then what happened was, you may not recall this, but there was a group of people, I think you and Janet, yep. and I don't remember, people who had no ax to grind. Yep. on on their future becoming president, who made a decision about how that was going to work. I don't know who else was there. I know it was you and Janet.
4: Well, it was Janet and I talking about we, Janet and I could not think of one cogent, wisdom-related reason on why it should be. You know, there's always an answer, right? You always think there's an answer. We would talk about it and talk about it. There was no reason for who it should be. So that's, hence, we came up with, well, if there's no reason, let's not push one and- Leave it to the face. Let's flip a coin. and,
3: and We flipped I, a coin. And, and I think it probably set a precedent. Wasn't there an election in Virginia that was just decided by a coin flip? Yes. That, that was tied, actually, so maybe they knew we did that. Um, I think part of it was that yeah. on the ICFP board, once we were going forward with this, we had a lot of trust in the, in the people. And- Really, it didn't matter if Guy or Roy was going to lead because we had faith and trust in both of you that it was okay. There was, I don't think there was anybody on the ICFP board that had a vested interest in, oh, no, we need Guy versus Roy or whatever. Um, but some of that we could talk about later filtered down to the chapters and societies, the structures oh, yeah. and how that played out.
2: This is, this is a really, I find maybe my favorite point about the whole thing, what Scott was just saying, is that um, we were never adversarial with each other at all. The group always did get along well, but um, we were actually um, through the course of the time that we spent together, we actually got really close. I mean, we, we got to be a really close group. We, we might've sparred with each other. I mean, I started out, you know, saying something silly about Joe at the beginning. We might've all sparred a little bit with each other, but we got really close into a very trusting place. And so I completely agree with what Scott just said. Each one, Roy was going to be president, and Guy was going to be president, and they were both going to do an exceptional job, and we all knew that, and and so we were good with that. I think Joe and I, I'll pat us on the back, I think we did a great job of sharing some space, you know, we were both chairs, and I think when you get elected to a position, you kind of you know you're kind of like whoa i'm going to get my space and we we shared our space as chair and we shared it happily and you know no no issues there so you two did we, a great job jen and i got along yes, and I you know what go there too.
4: over 30 board members coming together i mean when you think about it I, of course there was some some tension but you know those were actually pretty remarkable experiences it just all was in very, all yeah i mean yeah. There,
2: well, i can remember some tension but it was like genuine just differences of opinion not tension coming from for the fact that someone was 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 angry or didn't like someone or whatever it was just like no no this is a genuine dialogue let's you know let's debate about it but it did come I think it came together pretty brilliantly really but there is
6: you know there is
2: whoever was going
6: to be the next president you know, whatever you're going to say is wh- wrong I know <laughs> <laughs> you'll get your two minutes after I'm <laughs> whoever was gonna be the next president was gonna come from one of the predecessor organizations. And while we all had these feelings kind of inside of us, when when the coin flipped and it came Roy, we said, all right, IFP is gonna take the lead going forward. And again, from a business point of view, the idea was we now have CFPs in the tent with us and we still have all these other people out there that we wanna bring in and make CFPs, so we need to be keep our arms out, keep our arms really out, and reach in. And Roy, to his credit or whatever, said no, because there was there were concerns. There were concerns out in L.A. That the, uh, that the IC Society in L.A. would break off and start their own new organization and all this. And Roy said, no, we are going to be CFP-centric, and that's what we're doing. And you leaned in that direction, and it's like... Holy crap, this was our guy, you know. <laughs> I think Roy, what I actually Selling think. Selling
5: us out. I think Roy was an I was IC- Nixon going to China. <laughs> I think Roy was an ICFP mole all along.
2: No, and that is what, what Joe is saying, you know, tongue in cheek or joking about, but Roy absolutely, positively um, supported and represented everything that we had agreed to. When he was president that first year, Everything that we had agreed to, Roy stood up for. He did not do anything that was um, maybe a prior IAFP might have wanted. He stood a hundred percent behind the the memorandum of understanding, a hundred percent. And I think that's a huge reason that the organization again. I Again, a lot
3: of credit I gave to Roy because yeah. when we came to that meeting in Chicago. And I remember we were invited up to have this dinner, and Roy was not in the room. He left, and I found out later because you were ready. We didn't know who was, you know, which angle people were, did they, were they for or against, and Roy, you know, we weren't sure, at least I wasn't, he was on board. There was board. a reason
8: I wasn't in the room. The reason I wasn't in the room was that we wanted to put in that room those people who were leery about the merger and those people who were on the fence and everybody in the IEFP board knew that I was not on the fence. And okay? I give you a lot so of credit and letting that if I, I would have come back to yeah. sell it, it would have meant nothing. Right. But okay. when Larry Johnson came back and sold it, it meant everything.
4: Right.
0: <laughs> so this memorandum no of understanding.
6: Right. So this was a document that had to be crafted over time from a series of meetings and tons of walls filled with white paper and and writings on them to kind of boil down what would be kind of the organizational structure going forward and what would, you know, broker-dealer division and then you probably remember a whole lot other of the details but that was kind of the key document. Once we could get that understanding between the two organizations set in writing and people could look at that, we could move forward with it but it was a I think I have a copy of a signed copy of it. Yeah, well, you know, they, and they finally they
8: finally eliminated it, but but it, but it was there for some for some years before they did that. It was still a, still a, a governing document, pretty much.
7: Probably the gnarliest of the issues in that MOU was the uh, what what became the infamous second class citizenship issue. It was the classes or group, right. di- different names of. Division. There was different levels of membership.
8: Right, there was, there was. We right. had and to create. A that a that
7: f- was the the financial planning You want to move into, into the post merger stage, was, That's where the it, friction happened. Post merger.
3: What was
4: the ten year grace? Reminds yeah, me what it was the years. financial
3: planning division that you had to be um, a CFP to be in it. I believe if you were a new member. If you were came from one of the well, if you came from the ICFP, where are CFP. Financial plan er, Right. If you came yeah. from the IAFP, you had ten years, I think, to get your CFP marks, and we—I neg- mean—that was a, neg- a lot of negotiated things. We were not happy. Why ten years? But we realized at that point we needed to give and take, and so we settled on the 10-year, and I believe they got rid of that after a while. And they, that yeah, works. that's that's, that's but, even, um, but
2: even when, correct me if I'm wrong, but even though non-CFPs could be in the financial planner division, they could not receive referrals correct. Or, correct. Or, correct. or media, media. media. Oh, media. Correct. contact. People said, well,
3: why referrals. am I going to be in the organization and be in that if I can't benefit from that? And the idea was to encourage them to get their CFP certification.
6: And we had CHFCs and CPAPFS that had practiced for 20, 25 years already. Mm-hmm. They were solid
3: Bill financial
6: advisors and they had great practices and they helped people. And all of a sudden they suddenly felt like, holy cow, I don't have my organization anymore.
5: And but we had agreed we were going to build. Well, you kept it. And, yeah, you know, we, gonna, we, we kept gonna, it there for a 10
6: year period.
5: Well, and it's not, Yes, you know, yeah, and the thing is, is that. One of the things that made the merger possible was that we had agreed that we were going to have a a singular focus on a a single mark of competence and ethics, that we were going to build the profession around. Even though everyone agreed that there are other paths to competency, no one ever denied that. It's just it's too complex a story to build a profession around.
6: And to get the public to understand it quickly and easily. Right. I mean, that was the other thing. We wanted consumers to be able to trust somebody who is going to be competent and ethical. And you need some something simple, because people are simple. And if CFP
3: can stick in their minds, that's great. And our view was building a profession was around the mark, and you needed one mark, and it was the CFP mark. Yeah, we and talked to the it. AICPA. We told them,
6: look at the statistics. There's a 27% recognition of CFP out there. You have 1%. That's it. And you're never going to get there in today's
3: world. So, you know, it was... Difficult. One of the things with the merger talking about the local levels, you had chapters and societies, as we said, 80 some odd societies for the IC and 120 some odd chapters. To bring them together was a struggle because similar to the national, when you went to the local, there were societies who was like, "I don't care who's president." The IAFP had two, three president elects and people backed up ready to be president, and the idea was that they would alternate you know years, but the ICFP, a lot of these societies didn't have any real leadership structure for two, three years. And the IFP had two. To, what I saw in some cases, two to five years of people lined up to be president. And it was. It took a few, many years, probably, for some of these chapters to work out their issues. You raised it an interesting point, <coughs> uh,
6: Hannah, in that compensation was not ever discussed in any of our conversations or any of the struggle between the two organizations. Compensation was never an issue. That shouldn't come around until probably a decade later. Yeah.
0: Well, you can't build a profession on compensation model. Right. What were you hoping for when this merger came out, like came to be? And what are the lessons learned through this merger that you would want to make sure that new planners know and carry forward to future generations?
6: Well, a large organization that is focused on providing competent and ethical financial planning services and process to individual people to help improve their lives. To us, that was always the goal. We just wanted it to be big and to get there with enough size and momentum that it would make a difference. And But at, at the core, the core of what ICFP brought to the table and continues today through FPA is still the right core. It is, it is helping people achieve their dreams and, and keep them peaceful at night, that they understand where they stand.
7: Both organizations had their, their own traits, their standout traits and strengths, and I didn't have the frame for it back then when this was happening, but the way I would frame it now in hindsight, I've been a rancher for a number of years since then, and we call it hybrid vigor. When you cross breed, mm-hmm. you do it to create something that in genetics is called hybrid vigor. And it's where you get the best of both worlds. You get a better creature. And that's what we were really striving for, was hybrid vigor in this TNO. I think we got it. Yeah, you know, one voice in Washington,
8: um, which obviously made a difference. Um, you know, we weren't, we, weren't, we weren't competing with each other um, for, for things over which we shouldn't have competed. <laughs>
4: You know, what, what strikes me is as difficult as the work is to actually get to the merger place when you start a hybrid organization, the diligence that's required by leaders after the merger to make sure you're living into your ideology, your values, your envisioned future is extraordinarily important because mergers fail not because of you know economic efficiencies or something. They failed because of cultural reasons, and they failed because of value reasons. So the leaders who came right afterwards, and, and, and I see it happening even now with FPA's new primary aim. I mean, you have to be extraordinarily uh, vigilant about holding to those values and holding to the core ideology, and that's what creates success. So it's required of leaders in 2001 and 2005 and in 2018, and for the future leaders.
3: I think listening to these conversations, part of it brings me back 20 years where what Joe said, and being, you know, the big organization that brings the financial planning to people or whatever. And in my mind, what comes right out is provided by certified financial planners. I mean, it's the same conversations, and that is our core, and that has to continue. And I think one lesson for every Future board of the FPA should be to hear some of these conversations to understand where this came from so you never lose uh, focus in sight of where we were because we're still a young profession. And I think at times that's happened and it's looked like are we going to become that big tent no matter what or is it CFP focused? And boards have to understand what this organization was about and what we fought for. It's our core.
5: Having one, one organization. <clears throat> one membership organization that's solely focused on promulgating the power of trans- the, the power of financial planning as delivered by certified financial planners. I mean, there's just <clears throat> it needed to exist. It does exist, um, you know, and look forward to the, the the mission being carried forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think in hindsight, um, in hindsight. As good a job as we did, we could have started the organization a little less muddy than we started it, but maybe, but maybe it then wouldn't have started if we had tried to get less muddy. But it was a little muddy, and I think, I think the early on leaders did an incredible job, and I think it, was, it made it more difficult for them. Um, but they made some really good values-based decisions along the way and particularly the early on leaders, in my opinion, stuck to the kind of core value that we all said when we started this, which was, if this doesn't work, that's okay. This is not about creating TNO to exist for the sake of TNO, it's about building a profession. And I think that's what we all agreed on, including all of our board members and all of the staff people all agreed that this was the step to really build the profession, to stop, to stop wasting energy, On competing with two organizations and to build the profession and and if it didn't work for this new organization that was okay because it wasn't about the organization it was about the profession
8: I also say this if we take a look and I agree it was muddy but it it, it couldn't have happened if it it weren't muddy.
2: I I do think you're right yeah
8: If if I if we take a look at where we are today as an organization And and I think we've come a long way, and I think we all think, we all believe that we're better than we were in 2000 when we started this whole thing. We could have never built the organization we have today in 2000. It wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have been approved. It would have never have happened. We wouldn't have a broker-dealer division, and that would have been a deal breaker for a lot of people. We needed to go through the steps we, we went through in order to be where we are today.
2: And think about where we would be if we hadn't done it at all. Sure. If we still had an IAFP and an ICFP, the, the different place that the profession as a whole would be is, yep. is unfathomable. And,
3: and this, this was not easy. I mean, people look, oh, it merged two organizations. I mean, this was, as a small business owner, to go through a process like that, the amount that personally I learned from it, I still have lessons today that I, I go back and I look and say, wow, I, how did I do it then? How did we do that? How were we led through a process? And as much as you know we all complained about the techer process, I realized there were parts of it that, okay, maybe it did make sense. and it took a long time to realize that. But the learning process personally and for the organization, but this was hard stuff. This was not easy. And we gave up everybody on the both boards gave up a lot of time. I remember we spent almost a month, one month, I was out of my office traveling, you know and and all of us, and it, it's it was the dedication that people had to make it work. And the, the culture passion.
7: wars were palpable at the chapter level for what, two or three years? Oh yeah, yeah. They, they, went on. Years. they went on for a while, yeah, they sure did.
4: Staff level, chapter
7: level. Yeah. Yeah. Was... At, least, at least
6: three years, I would say. I was practicing law in a law firm and we kept track of our hours by the quarter hour. <laughs> and I put all my time in every day because I had to put time in, whether it was you know, association business or clients or whatever and at the end they were all time coded so you could sort it out so at the end of two years i was able to sort out all the time entries that i put in and at that time we still printed it out on the ibm paper the big wide paper with the holes down the side and on my uh last meeting when i when i retired as the chair of fbi i brought that to the to the meeting And it totaled something like two point six million dollars, or something like that, in in t- you know fee time. And I said, you know, here I present. Here's the, the bill. bill. Yeah. <laughs> did you get your Did you get your check
0: yet? Well, I think that summarizes. Of it's you did it for the profession. It's about the profession.
3: Absolutely. You need a dedicated people to there do this. There was the something
8: things. that Morty uh, Morty um, Jaffe said once at a board meeting when you he was president. You could understand He was chair. Are you
6: scrubbing? What's that? <laughs> You could understand what he said? Oh,
8: yeah, I understood this. He said, he said, one thing we can never forget is we're about the financial planning profession. And if somebody convinced us tomorrow that IEFP should no longer exist, but it was better for the profession, then we need to do it.
4: Hear, hear. And I'll say that the ICFP board said the exact same thing. They were, they, were, they were willing to relinquish their own organization for the good of the profession. So that was very powerful. And the, and oh, the joint you. FPA board, or the as, joint boards that came together
2: to yes. create FPA said exactly the same thing about FPA.
1: Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode, the banter, the tension, and the passion that was captured. I just love how important the profession was to both groups as they came together to form the FPA.
0: Oh, I do too. So I'd love to leave you with a quote from Dick Wagner, who is a driving force behind this episode, the podcast, FPA Activate, and the larger financial planning movement. We are engaging in work of the utmost importance to individuals, communities, and the world. It is work worthy of the certainty that we are, indeed, practicing in the most important profession in the 21st century. There is simply too much at stake for too many highly motivated defenders of the status quo for us to believe such stature will be handed over freely. That means we must know who we are together with fully grasping the inherent nature of our work. It means appreciating the implications of our work and claiming it as our own. It means thinking both historically and futuristically. How did we get here? and Where are we going?